Back in the saddle at my home base, and we're talking all things BYU training camp as we get you ready for two weeks from today when BYU opens training camp with a look at BYU's quarterbacks. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who make us, or I guess not make us, but are our everydayers right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cannot thank you guys enough for your support of this venture. I am back in Utah after nearly a week uh, down there in Dallas. Had a great time at Big 12 Media Days. And once again, a big thank you to all of you for your support and your kind messages all week long down there. But had a great time, met a lot of great folks, and learned a lot of good things about BYU, but now back home in Utah, and obviously just a quick reminder that we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU, making sure you guys are up to speed on everything going on with the Cougars on a daily basis. We are two weeks away from BYU opening training camp. They are expected to report to training camp on July 31st, meaning two weeks from today. Uh, They'll be in Provo. Obviously, the vast majority, if not all those players, are already on campus, obviously going through summer workouts and the like, but uh, training camp opens up and then it's the it's the race to the start of the season for BYU. It's crazy to think it's coming that quickly but at the same time cannot wait for it and what we're going to do over the next two weeks here on the podcast is a little bit of a, a primer for you guys. Getting you ready for training camp to look at position by position what each position group looks like for the Cougars going into that and of course we'll start today talking BYU quarterbacks. Now it ends in it feels like it begins and ends in many ways with BYU's quarterbacks when it comes to Keaton Slovis. Obviously he has been named the starter Aaron Roderick put that on the record at the end of training camp he was at BYU uh, he was with BYU at media days this past week and he's acting and operating as quote-unquote the guy for BYU at quarterback and there's a reason why BYU brought him in to be their quarterback because they believe he's got the talent capable of helping them compete year one here in the Big 12 obviously they've got the one year to get it right with him and he's got the one year to get it right in Provo because he has got a uh, one year of eligibility remaining and then he's planning on going to the NFL to seek his fortune in the professional ranks, but this is a big opportunity I think for both sides to show that uh, BYU is capable of bringing in a, a transfer portal quarterback who may have had his struggles at other stops and letting him succeed in their offense and show that it is quarterback friendly. It, it already is quarterback friendly. I think we've proven that over the past uh, two, with the past two quarterbacks in particular, both Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. But uh, trying to make it three for three here in a row with Keaton Slovis. Now uh, Slovis will catch up with him in just a minute. I had a great opportunity to talk with him one on one during uh, BYU's media days. We'll let you hear more of his comments on what he expects from his upcoming season here in just a moment. But uh, what if uh, worse comes to worse and BYU does have an injury befall them at the quarterback position, meaning Slovis is uh, sidelined uh, for the season for any significant period of time. What does BYU do in that circumstance? That That's the big question. I think that it has to kind of be answered here for BYU during training camp. In my mind, there are two 
options for BYU. And I think the training camp will give us a, a really good, clear idea of which guy is going to be the quote-unquote heir apparent uh, for Keaton Slovis going into the 2024 season. And I think it's going to be the quarterback battle between Cade Finnegan and Jake Retzloff. Now, Retzloff comes in with all these accolades, 4,000-plus yards a year ago at the junior college level, comes in as the, quote-unquote, as he calls himself, the BYU, is what he's calling himself, of course, uh, a member, a practicing member of the Jewish faith uh, coming to BYU. He's got great size, great arm, uh, six foot two, 205 pounds, and he will do battle with Cade Fennigan, who's been in the program for two seasons now almost. Cade is six foot two, 190 pounds, and is a transfer himself at one point, uh, coming over from Boise State after he served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. I think that the backup battle comes down to which of these two guys outduels each other during training camp. Uh, we saw in spring camp, uh, Retzloff was slowed due to multiple uh, complications from a tonsillectomy that he underwent uh, at, the start of train, at the start of spring camp. And then but then by the back half of that camp, he ended up coming on very strong down the stretch. And I, in my mind, I think Retzloff has got the inside track to being the number two quarterback, but it does not mean that Cade Fennigan cannot go out there and earn it. He has proven himself at points during his time at BYU of being a guy who has absolutely got the moxie, the grit, the talent to be a quarterback of the future for BYU. But I think this season, should a guy like Keaton Slovis, knock on wood, uh, suffer an injury of any significant sort, I think you see one of these two players, Fennigan or Retzloff, go into the game as the backup for BYU. Beyond that, I think a guy like Nick Billups obviously will try to prove it, what he's capable of during training camp. He's been in the program for four years now, and stunningly enough, is still only a redshirt sophomore. It's just absolutely incredible to me how things have shaken out. I think he's already graduated. Uh, speaking of Billups, uh, from BYU in terms of getting his undergrad degree, so now in a graduate program. And then there's two other quarterbacks in camp. I think both of them will have to use training camp to really show what they're capable of and kind of set themselves up for next year. Speaking of 2024, those would be uh, freshman Cole Hagen as well as Ryder Burton. Now, a number of you have had uh, various takes on Ryder Burton because he was a guy BYU recruited and believed in throughout his recruiting career. Uh, process. Obviously did not play in that uh, nice of a system quarterback wise at the high school level playing at Springville High, but people tell me that if Ryder Burton is truly capable of living up to his potential, he will be a future starter for BYU. And these are people that I, I trust with their opinion on this. He's got good size, 6'2", 200 pounds. Funny enough, BYU lists of the quarterbacks on their roster, that's on BYUcougars.com, the one they handed out at Media Day, they have uh, six quarterbacks, if I'm not mistaken, listed on this roster, five of them listed at six foot two. The only one not listed at six foot two, Keaton Slovis at six foot three. So BYU apparently has a type at quarterback, folks, but nonetheless, uh, very interested to see how this all shakes out. As I mentioned, I really think that the quarterback uh, situation for BYU begins and ends with a guy like Keaton Slovis, and you're you're hoping if you're BYU, he stays healthy for 12, 13 games and obviously can lead BYU to some pretty good success year one in the Big 12 era. The other thing about this is Keaton Slovis is one of the few players on BYU's roster coming in who has actual Power 5 experience. He has been playing Power 5 level football his entire career. Obviously his time at USC and Pitt uh, were both at the Power 5 level. So he's got the experience playing at this level of football which not a lot of other guys on BYU's roster can say for themselves. Like, you guys like Paul Miley, Caleb Etienne along that offensive line. They have those accolades around them, but not a lot of guys have that for BYU. So they're going to very much benefit from the fact that he has this experience and the, the, 
stage is not going to be too big for him. That's the thing about this. All these other quarterbacks, yes, they're going to have to adapt to life in the Power Five. Cade Fennigan's been playing on a BYU team that has been at the uh, pseudo-G5 independent ranks. And all the other guys, Jake Retzloff played at the junior college level. Billups uh, spent a year at Utah before transferring to BYU, but never saw the field for the Utes. So it's going to be a very, very interesting quarterback derby coming up in training camp, but it begin, it comes at the number two slot and on down on the depth chart. Because, like I said, I think the biggest thing, the biggest question to be answered here in training camp is who the number two quarterback for BYU is going to be. I've got pretty big money that it's going to end up being Jake Retzloff. I think BYU absolutely believes in his talent and his ability. I think they would love nothing more than to give him some game experience this year up to the four games he's eligible for with keeping a redshirt in and then in my mind, he goes into that 2024 offseason competing to be the guy for BYU at quarterback. Obviously, I think guys like Ryder Burton, Cade Fennigan, uh, Nick Billups, and Cole Hagan, they will all obviously want to make their impression and show that, hey, I am capable of competing for backup minutes right now, if not being the outright number one QB in 2024 and beyond. That's the thing about quarterbacks is there's, there's a big reason why quarterbacks constantly hit the transfer portal. There's only one that plays at any given time, and teams if at all possible, will stick with their number one guy for the entire season. It's not a position where traditionally you're going to rotate guys in and out on a very frequent basis. There's the whole old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And I think that Aaron Roderick understands that better than most because of some of the circumstances he's found himself in, in both at BYU and at Utah as a quarterback's coach, and he wants nothing more than to make sure that his quarterback believes that they are the guy, are being propped up as the guy, and obviously they're able to go out and perform as if they are the guy. And I know I use that term a lot, the guy, but that's what it is when you're a quarterback, especially at BYU. This is one of the universities who's got the moniker of being QBU. There's a unique thing to being a quarterback at BYU, and Keaton Slovis has spoken directly to this. He knows the history, the pantheon, the legends of yesteryear from BYU. BYU at their quarterback position, and he wants nothing more than to add to that legacy in his lone season as a Cougar. Can he go out and fulfill it? We're all about to find out. I think he's capable of it. I know that the BYU coaches believe he's capable of it, if they, or else they wouldn't have brought him in and made him the guy coming out of spring camp. They really believe in his ability to rebound from what was a lackluster season at Pitt, and they expect bigger things and better things this year for BYU in the Big 12. And if that comes to fruition, BYU's going to be in a much better position going in to 2024 and beyond because that'll have been three straight quarterbacks who have uh, NFL pedigree behind them. And then at that point, who who's next? Who's going to make it four for four and on down the list? And at that point, by the way, the other question will be, is Aaron Roderick, how hot of an offensive coordinator, if not an outright head coach uh, candidate, is he down the line as well? That is going to be absolutely a question that has to be answered at some point, but that's a topic for another day. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to hear from Keaton Slovis. Had a great opportunity to catch up with him down there in Dallas in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. We talked a lot about quarterbacks, and we also talked about something that I did was not on my radar when I went into an interview that we'll play later this week with uh, Cody Epps. You were going to hear what uh, the dirty P refers to uh, from Keaton Slovis. Very interesting comment uh, coming from one of his teammates, and you're going to hear him. He's going to be absolutely floored, it feels like. You'll see and hear the reaction when I ask him the question. We'll get to all of that coming up here in just a moment. Now, first a word on our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been working on this for quite a while, my friends, but if there's want to get in on the Major League Baseball season and have some fun taking your first swing at betting on MLB, do it with FanDuel and get 10 times back your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You heard that right. Just bet 
20 bucks, you land $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's even the better part. You don't have to necessarily win the bet to get the money. You get it win or lose. Just that's $200 you can spend on betting everything and anything under the sun. Over, under in any given game. If you think uh, whichever pitcher in a game is going to get the first strikeout, who might be hitting the first home run in the game, just the overall money line or uh, spread uh, in any given Major League Baseball matchup. It's all available to you now, and it's all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid out instantly from our friends at FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book once again, my friends. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started now. That's FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, listen of the day, excuse me. And thank you for being everydayers with us right here on the podcast. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we continue our primer, uh, our position primer slash previews for BYU's upcoming training camp. We'll flip over to the defense tomorrow. We're going to kind of alternate offense defense on this. And tomorrow we'll start up front. We're going to talk about BYU's defensive end position. Had a great chat uh, with Tyler Batty at BYU and uh, not BYU at Big Twelve media. I'm so used to BYU football media day, but it's now Big 12 media day. Had a great chat with Tyler Batty, and we'll get that to you guys on tomorrow's podcast, so stay tuned for that on our Tuesday edition of the show. All right, uh, diving right back in uh, to the football talk, and obviously with the quarterbacks, uh, Keaton Slovis, I just talked about it. He he very much needs to answer the question of being the guy for BYU this year, but if he proves that he is the guy, BYU is going to be in a very advantageous position when it comes to their chances of competing year one in the Big 12. I think that he absolutely is ready for this. He's operated as such. When you talk with him, he's polished. He's poised. It just it feels like he knows uh, in many ways what's coming before it's even asked in so many circumstances. But I did catch him on one question, and it's thanks to one of his favorite teammates, probably maybe, well, I wouldn't say his best friend, but one of his best friends on the BYU football roster. Cody Epps gave me a little intel that I used at the tail end of this interview. So without further ado, here you go. Uh, Keaton Slovis talking with myself. T- talking with myself last week at Big 12 Media Days. Keaton, you've been to a bunch of these media days in the past. Does this one compare to any of them, or is it different? Uh, I've only been to one. Okay. Well, only. I've been to one other yeah. one. Um, it's just, I mean, doesn't get much better than this. We were at a hotel in L.A. for the Pac-12 Media Day. That was yeah. the other one. And it was fun, but, like, this is a whole different ball game. This is pretty special. Have you ever been to the stadium before? I have not. It's my first time. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've really never been to, like, an indoor NFL stadium either. So this okay. is, like, not... At for an event, I've been sure. as a spectator. But yeah, well, did you ever like when you were pit? You were to Heinz Field or anything like that? Yeah, or? we were in Heinz Field. That's open and yeah, uh, freezing most of the time. And <laughs> yeah. we did go to Hard Rock. That was pretty cool. But okay. this is like another level, pretty pretty special. Absolutely. Now, obviously, fifty-ish days away from the season actually beginning, is it starting to feel real? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And uh, PRPs are ramping up. We're doing more mm-hmm. stuff on the football field, and guys are getting locked in and. Uh, it kind of hit me when it got, it always hits right after July 4th break when you get back, yeah. like, all right, we've got three weeks till camp, four mm-hmm. weeks till camp. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely hit, but uh, I'm excited. Off-season's fun and all, but, you know, I want to get to what we came here to do. Now, obviously, you've got the one season here at BYU. What, what do you feel like you still need to work on the most in the lead-up to training camp and the season, obviously? Just continuing to develop a like, continuity with receivers and get yeah. more and more comfortable with the offense, you know. Uh, you always develop as a quarterback, and I work with John Beck a ton of mm-hmm. just throwing the ball well and, and uh, you know, working off-platform stuff, movement stuff. But, um, you know, you got to put that in a category and also control the stuff that, um, you know, mentally that, that can really help you, you know, be as good as you can for the season. 
You've talked about working with John Beck. How influential has he been throughout this entirety of your process as a quarterback? Yeah, he's been he's been awesome. And uh, luckily now I'm at BYU, I get to work with him a lot closer than yeah. I did in the past. But uh, he's really the biggest reason I'm probably at BYU, like in terms of like making people comfortable about it. And um, I'm super grateful for him. And uh, again, I, I feel like I'm a much better quarterback, you know, with his under his tutelage. What is the biggest thing he's worked on with you as a quarterback? Um, just like throwing, I feel like everything's a lot easier in timing and rhythm. Okay. Um, with no nothing in your face, you know, if you have an open route and you're just throwing it off your plan, it's easy. Um, I think the biggest thing with him now that I've gotten, you know, that pretty much down is like getting to the point of everything's uncomfortable. Okay, you have to move a little bit. Okay, you have to wait a second because he's not coming out of his break. Maybe he gets a collision. You're going here. Um, you're moving off your back foot. You're throwing on the run. Uh, you have a slight movement here. You have to, like all these things to make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that me and John really worked on this offseason. Okay, I got two questions for you to wrap this up. Number Alrighty. one, you played against BYU in LaBelle Edwards Stadium. And you've talked extensively about how fans interact with you and whatnot. What, what is the biggest thing for you knowing that, hey, I'm actually going to go out on that field and have them cheering for me this time? It's exciting. That place gets super loud. I just learned we're the third biggest, you know, stadium in the Big 12, and uh, it gets loud. It's rowdy, and but those fans are like they're coming from a place of love. Um, and I even say like when I, you know, I come jogging at halftime after not playing well, BOU fans are like, hey, good luck, good luck in the second half. You'll do great. And so I'm excited that you know they'll probably be a little bit more enthusiastic to encourage me this time around if I ever have a bad half like that again. Okay, and then Cody references in my interview with him. Apparently, you call Provo the dirty P. <laughs> I need you to explain what. I really mean. haven't. I've done it like once or twice as a joke. I'm from uh -huh. Arizona, and people call Tucson, Arizona, the dirty T. And Tucson could not be a more different place than Provo. So I thought it'd be funny to call it the dirty P uh, to, to to Cody because it's it's really the polar opposite. And so he doesn't even know that I don't think. But I was like, no, nah, it's like it's a it's like an oxymoron almost. But I don't know. We'll see if it sticks. There you go, Keaton Slovis, BYU quarterback, Big 12 Media Days, and the Dirty P, referring to Provo, Utah. And a little bit of play of words, you heard him talk about the fact that he grew up uh, down there, as they call it, the Valley, down there near Phoenix, and apparently Tucson. It's called the Dirty T. It's something I learned myself in, in that answer, but you heard him kind of chuckle because I don't think he expected that question in any way, shape, or form. But uh, big ups to Cody Epps, and you'll hear that interview I had with Cody Epps that I referred to in that interview coming up later this week when we talk BYU wide receivers, but... Still, uh, very uh, entertained by that answer. And uh, <laughs> hey, the thing about Keaton Slovis, folks, like I said, he's so polished. He talked about the fact that this is his second media day. He did the one at, at Pac 12 Media Days back when he was at USC. And I think that this is a kid who's very intent on going out and proving to the world, and I would say world at large, whether it's BYU fans, his own coaches, the media, uh, just college football fans in general who've been tracking his career over the past five years. Uh, I think he has a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he's getting a little sick of the quote-unquote talking season out there, and he just wants to get on the football field and do it. Well, guess what? Uh, two weeks from today, he'll be able to do just that and obviously get out there on the football field, and then a month after that, uh, BYU kicks off the season against against Sam Houston State uh, out there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. By the way, looking forward to back-to-back -back opening uh, games. We haven't had that in a hot minute for BYU to have two home games to start the season. There at LES should be great weather, if not 
not downright hot. It's been absolutely miserable here along the Wasatch Front. And I was down in Dallas where it was even more humid. But nonetheless, uh, should be great weather all the same. Late night kickoff at 8 o'clock uh, for BYU on Fox Sports 1. I'm going to take on Sam Houston in that home opener. All right. Coming up here in a minute, uh, we continue our look back at all BYU's games from their 155-game run as an independent football program. We begin the 2020 season, and many of us will recall 2020 was quite the year, and especially in BYU's case, quite the football season. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes, though. Perry Homes has been uh, helping us out for a few months now. If they want, if you guys are looking for your new housing situation, Perry Homes is here to help you guys out. So whether you're looking for your first home, ready to upgrade your dream home, or anything in between. Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes is Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. They want nothing more than make sure that it's customized to your experience. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tula, and Utah counties, as well as multiple communities in Washington County near St. George. If you want to get down to the southern end of the state and live down in Red Rock Country, they've got you covered there. Like I mentioned, they offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes and everything in between. Like I said, it kind of goes back to the whole thing. They want to customize the experience to you and make sure that your needs are met. And right now, they even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to move now and get a get a move on, uh, to use that pun. But nonetheless, they're also offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Lockdown Cougars a part of your routine. Have had hundreds of you already entered to win uh, the Jaron Hall signed football we are going to give it away here in just a little while. Uh, if you'd still like to get in on it, it's not too late. Please send us an email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Let us know you're subscribed to the show by sending us a screenshot uh, of you on YouTube or wherever else you get the podcast. And like I said, even if you listen to the podcast uh, in the regular audio format, please go to YouTube.com and subscribe to the show there. It takes you but a second to do it. And thank you for your support in doing just that. And like I said, grand prize will be that signed Jaron Hall football. We also have other BYU swag I've been collecting. I'll uh, be giving it away to a, a n- numerous winners. We'll put it, put it that way uh, when we do that giveaway. I'm uh, hoping to do that right around the time BYU kicks off training camp, if not that week. So July 31 through August 5, that week, kind of where we kind of targeted to do the giveaway. But I uh, would love nothing more than to have you guys entered to win. So if you've not done so already, once again, locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, uh, moving along here on today's show, we begin a look at the 2020 season. We just finished off the 2019 season and our look back at all 155 games in BYU football history. Uh, I'm getting a little nervous. We might not uh, get to the 2023 season before we wrap this up, but hey, we're going to do our absolute darndest to get through it all. So uh, stay with us, but we begin the 2020 season, and many of us will recall 2020 was kind of this uh, crazy, crazy year. We all know the COVID-19 pandemic breaks out. Uh, I remember thinking in May of that year as they were shutting everything down around us, I'm like, man, are they even play football this fall? And to BYU's credit, that was the one thing I always appreciated about the 2020 season from BYU side of things. As it's an independent football program, they made it very clear that they were going to be able to play football, they would play football. There was going to be no, uh, we're going to shut this down out of an abundance of caution like other conferences when it came to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm not trying to get political here. So let me be very clear about this. The COVID-19 pandemic was what it was. And I think we're still technically in it. But nonetheless, 
the the situation was that BYU intended to play football all along. They had their entire schedule sans one game against the University of Houston out of a 12-game conference, not 12-game conference schedule, a 12-game independent schedule were canceled. They had 11 of their 12 games canceled, and the game against Houston was up in flux for a hot minute there. And BYU was obviously hoping to, to play all of these games and get as many in as they could. Well, Tom Homo, to his credit, went into overdrive mode. Any, many of you who uh, watched the podcast on Friday, uh, was it was, was it Thursday? One of the, I remember which one. I'm losing track of which day it was. The one-on-one I had with Tom Homo, I heard, you heard me talk about the fact he doesn't have to necessarily schedule every day. And he said he's not living on easy street, but it's much easier now uh, in terms of scheduling. Well, the 2020 season may have uh, put him into a quote-unquote early grave as a scheduler because he had to go out and cobble together a schedule that not very many people thought was going to be possible. Many of you might recall a number of these programs out there in the Pac-12, etc., played as, as little as six games in this season. BYU, to their credit, was able to get to ele- through 11 games, and they opened it on a Monday night. Many of you might recall this. On September 7th, they played in the Monday night football slot against the Univers- not, Na- not the University of Navy, the Naval Midshipmen, Naval Academy. Now, Navy under uh, Kenny Amatololo, of course, great storylines, him being a member of the LDS faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, the question was, okay, is BYU going to be able to go across the country with all the restrictions facing them and go out there and show what they're capable of? Well, BYU did just that because Navy apparently did not tackle at all, and they said as much leading into this game. They were very hesitant in terms of getting ready for the season. But in many ways, this was BYU setting up nicely for them. Tyler Algier began what was a two-year starring role for BYU, had 14 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns in this game. Zach Wilson, to his credit, had 13 uh, 13 completions on 18 attempts, 232 yards, two touchdowns. He also had an interception in this game. But BYU absolutely ran roughshod over a naval team, a Navy team, I should say, that typically did kind of the opposite uh, to their opponents. BYU as a team ran for 301 yards, meanwhile holding Navy to just 119 yards uh, in that triple option offense. They're so used to running. Baylor Romney also came into this game in relief uh, late in the game, three of four, 47 yards. Uh, many of you might recall Jackson McChesney becoming an absolute human missile late in this game. Uh, had 56 yards on one touchdown after Lupini Katoa also had two touchdowns running. BYU, five of their touchdowns coming on the ground. They're just absolutely destroying Navy in this game. And beginning, as many of you might recall, a 2020 season for the ages in many ways. But uh, a little crazy going into this game. Because I remember thinking, okay, that's true. Travel across the country on a plane. They got to wear masks. They've got to be uh, isolated. Remember, they extended the sidelines out to make sure guys were not huddling in too big of groups on the sideline. So many restrictions in this 2020 season. But I vividly remember this game. I was sitting there uh, recording my postcast as I do for each BYU game, doing this podcast, and sitting in my basement and thinking, man. What a game that was. What a phenomenal performance for BYU. Are they able to replicate that? Can they do that again? Because there was some question, is, is was Navy with the fact that they didn't tackle, were they just a, a paper tiger that BYU went out and absolutely dominated? Well, as we are about to find out, we'll start to launch into more of these games. Uh, BYU would start steamrolling a lot of people that season. But the problem was, after this game, many of you might recall, BYU came home and had an outbreak of COVID-19, meaning that their next game, after play, playing on Monday, September 7th, the next game scheduled 
before the game at Army, uh, was who was ranked number 22 in the country, by the way, at that time. On September 19th, that game would not happen, so BYU's next game would not be until they hosted Troy in their home opener almost three weeks later when the Troy Trojans came to Provo, Utah, and we'll talk about that game tomorrow. And uh, some of the things, uh, the thing about the Troy game, uh, to me, I think it signaled, okay, wow, hold on, what's going on here? And it, crazily enough, BYU, I can't, I, I still remember that three-week gap in between games, obviously BYU had to get their COVID-19 cases under control and all that stuff, but nonetheless, a three-week break between playing games. There was also the question of going into that Troy game, how BYU would respond after playing a game and taking so much extended time off. How would they respond after that? Well, pretty positively, and we'll talk about, like I said, that tomorrow on this podcast. All right, there you go. That's it for today. I hope you guys have a fantastic Monday whenever you hear and or watch it. Once again, please subscribe, rate, review, enable notifications, do all the stuff that help the algorithms out there wherever you get these podcasts recommended to more BYU fans. Please continue to share with your family and friends. Let them know uh, of this podcast. It, it, thousands of you subscribe and listen to it every single day wherever you get it, and I cannot uh, express how much I appreciate that but want nothing more than to have thousands more Join us right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. Hope you guys are all doing well on this Monday. Thank you for making us your first listen to listen of the day. And thank you for being everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Until tomorrow, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast once again. And we'll talk to you guys then.